light this candle. Camera. Action. Moron. I've got morons on my team. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! We're in the pipe. Five by five. Wilhelm! Yeah, I'll just fill my pipe. And so it begins. It was the dawn of the third age of mankind. Folks, to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 246, The Siege of Jadaville. This great and fantastic movie stars Richard Lucanukalukan, Danny Sapina, Andrew Stock, Mark Strong, Jamie Dornan, and a host of other people that you have probably never seen before. I take that back. There was a, uh, a young man in here by the name of Michael McElliton. If uh, anybody watches Game of Thrones, he uh, plays Roose Bolton in that show. He's not young. He's, yeah, in case he's listening to the show, I want to show some respect. All right. But joining me tonight for this great and fantastic review is my good and dear friend, Ken... Not many Frenchmen like German tacticians. It only took them two weeks to take over your entire country. Roni. Jeff. God bless and hold for tonight's podcast. I definitely will. Also joining me tonight is my good and dear friend, Brian. We've used every bullet twice. Miller. All I know, Jeff, is you better watch your fucking language. Fucking language in this podcast. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh... Thank you for the uh, public service announcement. I do appreciate it. And uh, I will make sure that I am at uh, the top of my game. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> brace yourselves. <laughs> Joining me tonight in a triumphant return is my good and dear friend. Steve, is that J. Dotville Booker Michaels? <laughs> well, you know, Jeff, you know, they sent me over here to the Congo, and the last thing I expected was a bunch of French and Belgian mercenaries coming after me, Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well, they sir. They are magically delicious. They are. <laughs> well done. I didn't see that coming. Gentlemen, all right. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Glad to be back. I I am glad that uh, we have uh, the, the four of us together again. It seems like I could, you know, stand in some trenches with you guys battling snakes and whatever the hell else comes out of those things, um, you know, while receiving an onslaught of uh, many people running towards us. 
um, shooting wildly out in the open. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the movie in question here is The Siege of Jadaville. Um, this is a, I believe it is a Netflix movie. It is um, telling the story of an um, Irish company um, in the uh, UN service that um, has been deployed to uh, during the Congo crisis in the uh, late what late uh, early 1960s. This unit is um, is, is to go down into this uh, section. Katanga. Katanga. That's what it is. Oh, um, so Katanganese uh, <laughs> um, section, which is in the lower part of the Congo. Uh, they they are to, to uh, keep the peace during this um, civil war. And they think they're uh, going to go down, relieve some units that are already there, and it's been peaceful and quiet. And then we find out why we're we're having a movie about this occurrence, engagement, if you want to call it that. Short story is um, this unit was put down there. the The people of the land didn't want them there, and so they supported the uh, the the breakaway ruler. and And I won't even try to pronounce his name. Um, I'm sure Ken could probably do it much better than I can. Um, but the, as with most UN operations, there's a group of uh, Indian contingent, a Swedish contingent, uh, the Irish contingent are all down there underneath sort of kind of the purview of, um, of the United Nations slash the United States and who are, who are kind of orchestrating what's going on here, all in the name of big business, big companies trying to gain access to resources. So with that, that leads us to our small ragged band of uh, like 155 troops who are now faced off against um, uh, an overwhelming force of 3,000 strong attackers. Um, That's kind of the lay of the land. We have some of our actors, which... uh, Appears to be a lot of uh, Irish actors in here, but let's go. Uh, let's go to our good friend Steve for his uh, his return to the podcast. Steve, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, like I said, glad to be back. I uh, I confess I did haven't watched this recently, but I have seen the movie, and I think I saw it. I want to say about a year or so ago because I think it was it might have been longer than that because we actually talked about doing this at yes, one point when I. When it when we came out um, when it came out on Netflix, and I remember sitting down and watching it because honestly, this is one of those where you know obviously uh, you know post colonial you know or post war the you know post colonial period, so I'd never even heard about this. So I you know again there there's so, there was so much of this kind of stuff that was going on in the uh, late fifties and the nineteen sixties, and. I was I was pretty amazed by it. Uh, I thought the production value was 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 outstanding. The acting I thought was really good, and um, you know obviously got a got a pretty good history lesson. I did some more. Um, I did a little bit more background research on it because, like with any any movie based on uh, historical accounts, uh, they obviously do take a lot of. Uh, artistic license if you will but overall this one i think is pretty pretty close to the mark i i want to remember though when i read is like i i think they did kind of build up the whole um like the way the, the you know at the end get a little bit of a spoiler but at the end about how they really kind of came down on these guys you know you surrendered this and that and it's like well what the fuck else were they supposed to do pardon my french um 
but and I don't think it was and obviously there was an inquiry and all that but from what I remember reading it wasn't the way it was portrayed as much in the in the movie but uh, I thought it, I thought it was well done and you know if and I think it also shows the fact that when you've got um, well-trained troops and you're going up against not well-trained troops <laughs> um, it's it's going to be bad for the other side. It's going to be bad for the untrained troops. But I think in in a lot of instances, um, you know, there's the old saying, quantity has a quality all its own. And like you said, you know, you had 150 gets 3,000. And, um, you know, you could sit there and talk about, like, Rorch Drift, but the difference is these guys had guns and <laughs> as opposed to the Zulus at Rorch Drift. But in any event, it's, it's a very good, very, very good movie. And... Um, uh, I did recognize uh, actually quite a few of the cast that are in there. Actually, there's one guy that's in the movie that I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of. Um, plays a pretty good menacing character, but um, but I think overall, I thought it was I thought it was a great movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and it's and, and very surprising, very surprising how well done it was, um, especially for um, you know when some of the times when Netflix puts out a movie, it's kind of like eh. But uh, I thought this one uh, I thought this one was really good. So. That was my initial thoughts. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. Brian, is this your first viewing? No, I've seen it. This is the second time I've actually seen it. So, um, in I, fact, you know, you're... as you might, I, I, I mean, I saw it probably a year ago. Okay. So, uh, but uh, I, I would agree with Steve in that it's it's actually not bad history. There, uh, I mean, you know, I kind of look into some things here and. Uh, a lot, of the, a lot of the things you see in the movie are pretty consistent. I mean, there's two sides to every story, obviously. Uh, you got Connor Cruz O'Brien, who was Mark Strong's character. He wrote some books that, you know, kind of seemed to go the other way and painted uh, painted the, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Dagger Hammerskold as uh, maybe, you know, kind of throwing him under the bus using a current phrase, which I think in truth he probably did. But uh, but no, historically, I think the movie's not too far off the mark. And in terms of the cast, I mean, uh, you know, there's actually a lot of people here that we've seen, you know, and, and I mean, God knows how many times we've seen Mark Strong. I mean, sometimes he plays a good guy, sometimes he plays a bad guy. Usually it seems like he plays a bad guy. But, you know, we saw him and John Carter. We've seen him in a lot of stuff. And he played Connor Cruz O'Brien, who was the Irish uh, UN uh, secretary, if you will, or or department head. And another guy that you see in a ton of stuff, and I, I don't know if anybody noticed him, is Jason O'Mara mm-hmm. from O'Mara, who plays the, the the company sergeant. I mean, God knows he's. I didn't realize until this movie a year ago that he was Irish, because he's been in so many American TV series: uh, Life on Mars, Terra Nova. Uh, hell, he's been in, uh, uh, I mean, well, I'm trying to think, but I mean, he, he's just been in a ton of different things. I mean, uh, and he's never, I mean, unfortunately the only bad Mara is kind of like, uh, kind of, you know, if you know, he's in a series, you know, the series probably going to last very long. He's a good actor. I mean, but he's, there've been a lot of series over the last few years. They've tried to have him leads on and he, the, the, the series has just never quite made it, but he, but he's a guy I always like to watch. And, uh, and I'll get to this later. One of the, really, one of the most interesting aspects of this movie is, uh, has to do with the history of mercenaries in Africa. And and I'll, I'll chat about it a little bit later, but uh, I think you know my affinity for some of the African wars and some of the things that took place during that, this period of time. The the gentleman who played the Frenchman in this, uh, who would been, have been uh, 
oh gosh, what was his name now? It would be Rene Falquet, I believe is how you pronounce it. Really interesting, interesting historic character. Uh, and this was the, the, the commander of the, of the French mercer, or the, he was a French mercenary, but he was actually on leave from the foreign legion. So that was accurate too, but really an interesting character. I'll chat a little bit about him later, but, uh, neat movie. I, I liked it. Uh, I, I liked it. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was stunned by it. Cause I just was like, Steve, I was just shocked that it was going to be this good. And the second time I saw it, I already knew it was good. So it didn't stun me quite so much, but I enjoyed watching it the second time. So, all right. Well said. Thank you, Brian. Um, Ken, what are your thoughts, sir? Uh, I'm like, uh, Brian, I saw this a while back and I watched again uh, the other night for the show. I think it's a good, solid movie. Uh, like the other guys have alluded to, I think it gets the history pretty well. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on this area of history, but I've, I know a fair amount about it. You know, the Congo crisis was a, they didn't call it a crisis for nothing. It was pretty convoluted. Lots of moving pieces. It took a while to resolve. People are shifting sides back and forth. The movie does a good job, without being real heavy-handed, of sort of setting the scene and you know, giving you a, an idea of what the environment was like uh, for these people that went in. It was an interesting movie because, again, how many Irish mod, halfway modern war movies have you seen? I think there's a, a real shortage of them because the Irish are not a, a real warmongering people these days. Uh, but they are active in things like this. I mean, they do they have participated in U.N. operations and such. I think the cast is good. I mean, the, the star of the show is Jamie Dornan. And we've actually uh, reviewed another movie where he was a star. He was an anthropoid, if you remember. That World War II uh, assassination of uh, Heydrich movie mm-hmm. that we reviewed a couple years back. He was the lead mm-hmm. in that. He was also the lead in Fifty Shades of Grey. We didn't review that, but uh, Nor will we. that movie got a lot of play. As I watched it, I mean, it's, I think we've pretty much sketched it out. It's, it's an Alamo type movie. Kind of, you know, again, these people went down there. They weren't expecting to fight. Or at least they were hoping not to have to fight. They weren't really equipped to take on who they thought they would take on. It was a very chaotic political situation they found themselves in. But they show these people as solid troops and you know well-led. And uh, I'm going to say a mixed bag of equipment. Uh, you saw, if you're an aficionado of firearms, I mean, you saw World War II stuff. You saw everything up to 50s and 60s stuff uh, in this in this movie and i thought that was probably true to life i'm sure they researched it carefully uh a little bit of trivia that i read is there's at one point where you know again jamie dornan is paying uh quinlan the commander and at one point one of the troops turns to his comrade and says you know quinlan's gonna get us all killed and the guy that was playing that character was quinlan's grandson i thought that was interesting wow, that is kind of cool yeah it Very was cool. and i will just throw in one final bit of trivia that i picked up from my research before my closing comment which is uh i read up a little bit on uh, Rene Falks, you know the french mercenary commander again interesting character he's got a nice little article in wikipedia but uh in the 60s he alternated between doing mercenary duty in the Congo and doing mercenary duty in Yemen, where there was a civil war going on. 
And the troops went back and forth. And the reason they did that, he explained, was in the Congo, they had plenty of liquor and women, but the pay was pretty spotty. In Yemen, you had really good, solid pay, but there was no liquor and no women. So no matter where they went, they were not happy. So it was tough being a mercenary back in those days. And my final comment about this movie is the events in the Congo Civil War are actually the prequel to the action that we reviewed in The Wild Geese. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You're right, Ken. You definitely get that feel. Yeah. Well, basically, Katanga was the fictionalized country that the wild geese was taking place in, you know, 20 years after the, or 15 years after the fact. So if you like the wild geese, I think you'll probably like this. It's a different kind of movie, but it's uh, got some similar feel to it. And that's my opening comments. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Well, let's, um, let's, let's get down to, you know, what you guys' uh, deeper thoughts are. So we have, um, we, we've got this Irish unit that is being, uh, that is being uh, sent in to take, uh, take positions at this um, compound area where uh, Jamie Dornan is, is the, is the head man here um, who is leading this group of about 150 some men. He comes in, he kind of assesses the situation, realizes that um, it's not, you know, it's not a very well-prepared position, so he sees two, and you get the feeling that, you know, he, this guy knows what he's doing. He starts to direct, you know, the men to, you know, do certain things to prepare the position a little bit better. You have Mark Strong, um, who is uh, playing Connor Cruz O'Brien, who is um, sort of the 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 go-between uh, for between Dornan's character and you know the, the the bigger operation, and also you have Roos Bolton, who is the general in charge of the um, of the area, <laughs> and and th- there's there's some great interplay um, from a distance because all this is done through radio, where where basically once they Jamie Dornan and his uh, group of uh, Irishmen uh, arrive, um, it's not long after that events start to take place and. They, they sense the coming storm. They're prepared for it. And, but what they're, they're, they didn't realize that they were grossly, grossly outnumbered. But um, and, and they, despite their calls for help and reinforcements, which, you know, couldn't get there, you know, they were told to hold on. You know, that sets the setting for, I guess, the next, whatever, hour and a half of the movie. It's about a two-hour movie. Not too long. Not too short. I think just the right time frame but what i want to say i want to start off with what did you guys think let's start off talking about the actors themselves who were do you think the standout actors were and what did you like most about the interplay between them steve what do you think well i again you probably mentioned the one guy that i um i do like because i've seen him in um uh, quite a few movies and i just like his his character and that's mark strong i just thought he he to me, he's just kind of one of those guys that just kind of steals. In, in a way, for me, he kind of like steals scenes in the movies. He's just, I just, there's something about the guy. He's got a presence, um, uh, a gravitas, if I if I dare use that word. But um, I would say that you know him and obviously uh, Dornan, I thought were the two standouts in this movie. Um, I just you know again, I like their interaction. Um, I didn't even pick up that that one guy was Roose Bolton, even when I saw that the 
you know, the because uh, I've seen this twice. Uh, I just didn't see it recently. And, uh, and, you know, when you said that, I was like, who? Bruce Bolton was in this? Where was he? And then it's like, oh, yeah, now I remember him. But those are, I, I would say those are my, my two favorite guys. No, like I thought they were the best standouts. Well, Jeff, I, I think Strong is, is anything he does, he stands out in. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he, he's not. It, 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 Steve, I, yeah, you're right. I, I really like Mark Strong. I mean, if something's in it, and it, it, if I could watch it, I'll watch it just because I, he's he's an interesting actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was a little different seeing him with a big mop full of hair. Yeah. But, uh, but otherwise, you know, and, and again, I, I like O'Mara. I just always liked Jason O'Mara. I thought he played a good, I thought he was a good company sergeant in this. I thought he made a lot of sense. Uh, I'll give Dornan a lot of credit, though. I mean, because uh, the way this movie starts with him talking about Julius Caesar with those guys in the back, you're thinking like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a freaking nightmare. He's going to be <laughs> awful. You know, you know, it just, yeah. It, it just everything is going down the path. It's like, oh, he's, he's one of those guys. Here's the lecture, one. boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turns out, no, he was a he was a hell of a good leader. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I mean, those three guys really obviously drew my attention. You know, certainly. Uh, and you know, I mean, I and you know, for the most part, things kind of did work around them, if you will, in the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's a. Uh, there's an interesting character in here, though. There was a remember the woman that they ran into in the, the hardware store, and uh, and her husband had died of uh, he had been apparently been an engineer and died of uh, radio uh, you know, of being exposed to uranium. I don't, you guys remember that that lady? He yes. used her phone to call his wife. Yeah, she uh, she had a brief moment in here. She did, but but she was you know kind of an interesting character. She is married to, uh, oh my God, what's the name of the guy? He's a director that's banned from being in the United States. Uh, Roman Plansky. Roman Plansky is her husband. She's been married to him for years. Now, she was a young model, like 14. So that, oh, of course. Pretty... Ken? I'll, I'll just uh, tag, tag on to what these guys said. I think that uh, it is kind of a three legged, well, I'd say it's a four legged stool. Uh, you know, you know, Quinlan commanding the troops. You have uh, Mark Strong, who is a, like I say, powerful guy. I, I like them. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He, he's, he's in the Kingsman series. I think that's where uh, some of viewers may have seen yep. him. You'll recognize him in a second you see him. Uh, I think the movie, maybe rightfully so, makes him out to be the heavy quiet, or the not maybe not the villain. Uh but he's a guy in a tough spot. I mean, again, he's he's like the UN's man on the ground in this massive, confused thing trying to calm things down. I mean, he had a no, pretty much a no-win job, and he did his best to do it. Uh, but you know, I thought his character was very well done. The French mercenary comes off as a professional. I think he's got respect for these guys. He doesn't really mean them harm. He just wants them gone. Uh, and in the end, he prevails. So. He's got the numbers, and he's, you know, I, I can criticize the tactics that are used, but again, I don't know if that's exactly how it went down. Hollywood rarely gets, you know, assaults correct. But, uh, no, I think the cast was very good, and, again, they worked and interrelated very well. Well, um, speaking, well, I mean, since you brought it up, Ken, let's talk about the tactics a little bit. I mean, this 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 was a, a you know, slightly fortified position, which is being assaulted across. But, so basically, we've got uh, we've got a 
somewhat fortified position, uh, entrenchments, bunkers, no, not really bunkers, but at least hardened positions. Um, and, you know, and, and they've got clear fields of fire um, and they're being assaulted, you know, multiple sides here and there. Um, but basically it's just scrub and open ground. And as far as the eye can see up into a tree line, I guess, um, which is, um, which is behind a, a road. The, um, but this does speak to why the, the Irish troops and spoiler alert, um, suffered, well, very few casualties. Can we say that? Compared to the assaulting force, which suffered a lot of casualties. Um, and, you, you, and, you see, and you start to see you know, why the numbers turned out the way they, they did in that sense. To your point that, you know, th this almost seemed to, you know, I, I don't want to say the last, but I mean, you, you could see that there was a, you know, some, some respect on each side for the other, that, you know, there, there was the offer of a truce and a surrender a couple times. Um, because, as you said, there was not a desire to, to necessarily die here and kill people here it was we we need and quite honestly it seemed that the whole goal was to have they didn't want to kill them all they wanted to capture them and use them as a bargaining chip which leads me to what did you guys think about the the political um aspect the behind the scenes the the fact that these guys were a pawn in a much bigger picture what were you guys' thoughts about that aspect of the movie? Well, I, I think that they were a pawn. Shombe, I believe, uh, was the, the leader. Uh, more for him, I don't think their intent was ever on the part of the UN and, and uh, Strong's character to put them in the place of being a pawn, but I think they became a pawn. Uh, and I, I just I think the UN just couldn't 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 assist them. They were stuck. And, uh, and they were just out there. And I really think it was to you know, and his side of it, that was going to utilize them as, uh, as the bargaining ship. Uh, but the UN, I mean, you had, like I said, you had no control one way or the other. I mean, those guys were just out there. You know, I'm just going to, uh, throw my thoughts out there and they pretty much, I agree with what Brian said, but I think the one thing that, that this movie really demonstrates, and it really is, I think, um, it's actually kind of amazing to me that the whole, that to this day we still do, or the UN still conducts these peacekeeping operations because it, it seems more often than not, it's this kind of a situation as opposed to ones that actually worked. I think, I, I mean, I mean, it seems like to me like the Bosnian uh, war was about the only time you, you actually were able to see you know, a peacekeeping operation work, although it did take uh, a lot of military force, um, actually combat for, you know, to, to get that resolved. But I mean, you know, prior to that, I mean, you had almost that kind of that same instance. I mean, you had that, that, that Dutch group that, um, you know, they were, they were supposed to be peacekeeping. And then the Serbians rolled up and said, put down your guns. And they went, okay. And, you know, and then they carted off what, like every male in the town and slaughtered them. So it's kind of like, 
and then they, and then the, and then those guys get blamed. So I mean, that was kind of like a situation where it's you know similar to this, where you know like the you know the Dutch are just like, well, we weren't supposed to you know unless we were at uh, at risk, we're not supposed to fight. Well, then what the hell is your point there? What are you supposed to do? Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I think in this one, um, you do kind of get that that feeling of you you put us here. We're supposed to be peacekeepers. You give us these guns, but then you get mad if we have to use them, and then you get mad at the end result. Um, and, and to me, it's just like an impossible situation where it's like, what? I mean, to me, it's just mind-boggling that we still put these guys in these kind of situations. And again, it just goes back to and the political thing. And I don't want to turn this into a, you know, a, a rant on the UN and that. But it, it does. You do get that that sense. You know, I mean, hell, we had the whole Somalia thing. I mean, we saw how that turned out. It's just like. Yep. Man, it just seems like these things just don't seem to pan out very well in the end. Well, and, and I always, and I always kind of, and I always viewed these kind of situations as that you're. It's almost like you're always being inserted into a civil war. Um, and I always equate that is where you have an outsider that comes into a civil war. It's like the cop that goes to the domestic dispute. At some point, they're both going to turn on the cop. And I think that's what ends up happening. I know this is a little bit different situation because you had, you know, mercenaries involved, but they were back in the other side. So, you know, it is similar. But anyway, that's kind of like my take on that. And it, and it's, it's a, when you watch these, you do, be, you, you do feel very, very frustrated uh, for the Irish in this, um, you know, especially at the end, because it's kind of like, hey, we're putting you out there and, the, you know, good luck. <laughs> we're all counting on you. And it's just, it's just kind of a sad, you know, a sad thing. Well, I'll just say, too, I mean, I mean, the movie does a very good job of giving enough of the higher level political wheeling and dealing and, you know, context that it makes it clear. I mean, the people at the top, they're not throwing these guys to the wolves because they want to. It's just they got a lot of a lot of stuff to work with. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, I do feel sorry for, you know, a UN peacekeeper that goes into a country and winds up getting shot at or killed because, you know, the basic job is their job at peacekeeper. The idea is there's peace. Let's keep it in the beginning of this movie. There was political turmoil, but there wasn't out and out much out and out fighting. So these there's a fair chance they could just go in there and show the UN flag and everything would have been fine. And they weren't equipped for a big battle. I mean, they just had light weapons. I mean, the heaviest thing they had, I think, was a little mortar. Uh, the mercenaries were better armed. They had some heavy some heavy weapons, but no heavy artillery or anything else. Uh, they could have used well, they, that, and that, a trainer. But that's, yeah, that's some sort of improvised fighter plane. It's not even really a fighter. It's just some sort it's of like a train executive. Jet. It's yeah. a, like an executive jet with some guns stuck on it, because uh, that and that's pretty true to uh, the situation. So I mean, nobody went there looking for a fight, but nonetheless, the fight found them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in terms of the battle itself, I, from what I can tell, this is a pretty accurate portrayal of it. Uh, so I think viewers, if you haven't seen it uh watch it with an open mind and see what you think uh i'll just throw back to my original comment there's a there is a lot of similarity between this and the wild geese uh including i think i think this was filmed mostly in south africa 
Yeah, it um, was. With South, you know, with support from the South African government. So, just like the wild geese was, although that was the apartheid government, and this was the current government. Well, I mean, all these things, I think one of the core problems you see in a lot of these movies has to do with coordination. You know, for example, when the Indians went in, the Indian troops went in and uh, ends up massacring people at the radio station, you know, but the, nobody else knew this was going on. You know, the, the Irish weren't told. So when there was reciprocation against them, uh, they didn't know, you know, why they were being attacked. Of course, they were probably going to get attacked anyway. But the point was, I think it's really the point with a lot of these UN things is first off, as we've said, if you're trying to keep the peace, it's pretty hard when people are shooting at you to keep the peace. Uh, and two, uh, if it's you've got all these different national groups under varied leadership and the coordination's terrible. In fact, Steve, you mentioned Bosnia. If I'm not mistaken, some of the stuff I read about Bosnia was, was that the U.S. actually, some of the other countries, and I'm including Brits and French and people you know who were, who were allies, kind of got upset with the U.S. because we... Uh, frankly, some of our hardware was so far in advance that we just kind of did stuff ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, but that, but that allowed, you know, that got the problem solved. I mean, you know, as a poor, you know, the, the, all these multinational missions just don't work out very well. Um, well, they, they work if you, if both sides in the conflict want them to work. And I'll throw a counter out there. I mean, there's a, there's a peacekeeping mission in the Sinai Desert between Israel and Egypt. It's been there since like 1980-something. You never hear about it. It's just there. Both sides are happy to have them there. But, you know, I think we we probably said enough about politics and everything else of this. It is a – it's not a political movie, but it's got pol – it's a – politics is lurking and forcing actions. Would that be fair to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, you know, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, you're. I think you're right. It's not a – political movie but that is the underlying driving force is all the politics that's involved with why the UN's there to begin with and what their role is and I, I just found that it, it, it you know that that continued throughout the movie we you know we, we saw you know scenes here discussions and quite honestly the the end of the movie where the unit is pulled back to Ireland and 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 I I guess we'll just go there now. The you know the 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 reason they were brought back and the reason that um, that this conflict or this unit didn't receive any sort of any sort of recognition for almost 50, 40, 50, 50 years, years. Yeah, was because the 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 Irish government looked down upon this that you had a unit that suffered no casualties, but surrendered and that 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 was an embarrassment um to them now as you watch the chain of events that happened in the movie and you realize that the, you know, these guys were up against hopeless odds with no chance for being reinforced or resupplied or anything else that you know what you know was this supposed to be a suicide mission you know that that's not their role um so you know they accepted favorable terms and were then therefore used as a political pawn in you know the negotiations um in in the conflict um i found the political uh, intrigue going on i found that just as fascinating as the rest of the movie and and that's something that i really enjoy this is my second or third view and i can't remember and i think you guys are right we we talked about 
reviewing this about a year ago, and then I th something else took precedent over it, uh, and so we went ahead and, and, and taped that instead. So, but I really enjoy this movie. What do you guys think about the set, the cinematography, the, the lighting? Because I, I do want to talk about it. you guys have any thoughts on that? I thought they did a good job of making this seem like a dry, dusty, arid place. It looked hot. It looked like you're in the middle of Africa, like it's been pointed out, just flat terrain, middle of sort of nowhere. Just basically like a, I'm not going to say it's a corner store gas station. It's a little village, but there's not much there. I think they, you know, I have no complaints in cinematography, but it didn't like leap out at me as like, super spectacular uh don't remember music really being that big of a thing here but the sound quality and everything else was well done yeah i i thought it looked great like i said uh in the beginning i thought the production value on this was was very well done and um i mean from what i remember uh you know i don't i guess i don't have as much of an eye for for cinematography as Jeff does. So I'll be curious to hear what, uh, what, what his thoughts are. But, you know, the thing that I do like about when, when movies like this are made is that, you know, obviously it wasn't set in the Congo because right now no one wants to go there, <laughs> but, but it's, it, it's, I like the fact that they're at least shooting a movie like in, in an, I mean, that's one thing I do like. It's like, you're at least you're shooting it in, that general area, or at least someplace that really looks like it, unlike say, you know, like the Battle of Bulge, where they're they're fighting in like the you know Spanish tundra, and it's supposed to be Belgium. Um, it just you know that just takes you out of it. So uh, I, I think that's important, and and I think they did a pretty good job of uh, what you know, like with the set design and everything. I just think it looked really good. So yeah, I, you know, again for. Uh, I think one thing, and I don't want to go off on a, on a different tangent here, but one thing that I do want to mention, uh, and, and this movie in particular is, I think, a prime example of it. I think we have been so used to thinking about, you know, movies that, you know, these big production movies that come out of Hollywood and, and that you need these big studio backings and everything like that. And I think you're starting to see with... Um, you know, Amazon is doing it. Netflix is doing it. They're they're able to actually put out very very well done movies that you know aren't requiring you know a, a fifty million dollar budget to make. You know, and they're not you know loaded down with a ton of CGI. You're actually they're actually putting out good solid movies with pretty good storylines. I mean, you know, we can you know, I mean, of course, there's always you know, there's always some you know chaff among the wheat, but I, I, I'm always been impressed with uh, some of the stuff that uh, comes out of Amazon and Netflix. And I think this is a good example of uh, you don't need to have like a billion dollar studio behind you uh, to put out good quality stuff. Brian, what are your thoughts no. about that? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with Steve. I mean, uh, first off, I love I love that setting in Africa generally. Like, you know, I don't remember the Bruce Willis movie a few years ago, Tears of the Sun, yep. which was, was an okay movie. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I like, there's a British TV series by, uh, called Heat of the Sun, uh, set in the 30s. I enjoyed that. Obviously, Wild Geese. Uh, it, I like that setting, just in general. I don't know what it is. And again, I, I as you know, I've always had an interest in, a lot of the wars that happened in Africa in the 60s and 70s and 80s, just in general. But 
but I've always found those settings to be an interesting one. And you know, to, to Steve's point about what uh, Netflix has done, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, quality film uh, didn't cost a fortune to make. I mean, you had a mix of actors in it, though. I mean, you had, uh, like I said, you know, you had strong and and uh, oh, crap, you know, the the two leads, the two big names who are movie actors, but you had Jason O'Mara who really is known for more of his television stuff. So, you know, you know that probably kept you from having to pay the kind of monies you'd have paid for some other folks. But but then again, you got a lot of uh, older equipment there, too. I mean, it's not like they had tanks and things, but, you know, a lot of the weaponry is not stuff you just don't pull off the shelf probably as easily today as you used to. So, um, no, I, I was impressed with it. I was impressed. I like cinematography. Uh don't remember the music so much, but but I also just thought it looked it looked like a movie you'd see on a big screen. On this topic, if you guys are interested in talking about this, I'd like to hear your thoughts. If not, you can punt. Steven Spielberg, not long ago, after the uh, last Academy Awards, came out and said that he did not think that basically movies should be able to get Academy Awards if they unless if they don't have a theatrical release. And movies like this would, underneath that philosophy, wouldn't be able to be considered for for any of the major awards because they don't get a theatrical release. Do you guys agree with that? Disagree with that? Don't get me started on that guy. Um, I completely disagree with him on that. Um, I I don't. I yeah. I, I I don't watch the Academy Awards. I mean, there was a time I used to, until. It, you know, again, not to get political, until they started using it as a as a platform for politics is when I stopped watching it. It's like I watch, I want to watch movies and all that stuff to get away from that. So I probably haven't watched the Academy Awards. Prob- I think the last time I watched it was maybe when Private Ryan uh, came out and, and won a bunch, and that was it. Um, but I completely disagree because I don't. Uh, last time I checked, it's not about. Um, it shouldn't be about movies that go to the theater. I mean, I think obviously the things have changed. It's evolved. Uh, and I hate to tell you this, Mr. Spielberg, but a lot of people aren't going to the theater anymore, uh, mainly because, you know, you can, you know, you, you get new release movies. And, and I'll be honest with you guys, you know, there's some times where there's a new release devil want to watch and she's like, Oh God, but you got to buy it for like, you know, $14. And I go, fuck it. Let's just buy it. I mean, shit, that's still cheaper than going to the theater. And it's out within like a month, a month and a half after the, the theater release. So even if I bought the movie from Amazon, I still spent less money than if I had gone to the theater it. And that's what's going to kill that stuff. So, I mean, it's, I don't think they should have to have a theater release for a, for a good movie to be uh, nominated for an Academy Award. But again, that's just, th- those are my two cents. I just think that's, I think that's his way of, um, you know, uh, you know, I've made it up here. I'm pulling the ladder up, and, and all you uh, peons down there that are doing direct to DVD or direct to Amazon or like the Netflix and all these guys, we're going to keep you out. And I just think that's crap because I thought it was about making movies, and I thought that's what the awards were supposed to be about. But anyway, rant over. Oh no, I I appreciate <laughs> the rant. That's what I wanted. I wanted to see what your guys' yeah. thoughts were. I, I I I when when I heard this, you know, I I immediately disagreed because it's to me it's about the art of movie making not about the platform with which it was done because to your guys's talking point these pay for services on tv are putting out some incredible 
not just movies, but also TV shows where, you know, you were, I, at least I am in, in, in drawn to it. I mean, it's, you know, these, these sort of, um, even, uh, I will say even, uh, um, who, who does it? Is it, um, YouTube, um, that does, um, the, the karate kid story. Um, Cobra Kai. Kai. Um, I mean, so I, I just finished that series, this most recent season. And it just, I, I just got a lot of enjoyment out of it. But anyway, but I wanted to see what, you know, if if you guys were you, your allegiances stand or what you guys thought, can, do you have any say in this? Oh yeah. I, I, I remember, you know, reading or seeing something about Spielberg saying that. And I, at the time I had to disagree. I mean, I can understand where he's coming from and classically and traditionally it's been based on movies released to the theaters. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, we're living in a different world. Uh, like, you know, I grew up in a world where Hollywood made movies for American audiences and they didn't have a gratuitous Chinese element in every movie trying to tap into the China market. Uh, nothing wrong with capitalism and everything. The world has changed. Uh, we've got all these new technologies, new way of releases. Uh, in a way, you see the similar uh, argument in news and the press and things of that sort where you'll have people working for a traditional newspaper saying that bloggers or independent people that round up news and just post it on a website somewhere, you know, somehow are not journalists or not worthy of being called the press, you know, and the, you know, and there's a, and some people say, well, we are, no, we're not. Cause you, you don't have, you know, you don't print off paper and with ink on it like we do. Well, it's, we're living in a different world. I have to, you know, in the interest of supporting good entertainment and good storytelling i've got to just say you got to live in the world that you're living in and you know my my favorite series my favorite tv series is not on a traditional network most of the good series that have been on in the past decade have not been on traditional networks uh and when it comes to movies more and more really good releases like this one are straight to netflix or amazon or some other service and I think it should be encouraged. So yeah, I gotta say I'm with Steve. I, I'm Spielberg is speaking out of self-interest, and he's got all the connections. And yeah, he's trying. He's climbed the ladder, and now he's trying to pull it up behind him. But there's a whole new generation of people coming, and they gotta get the mark to the market, however they can. Brian, yeah, you, I you may I may be the only contrarian. Um, I, I I mean I don't have a real strong feeling about this one way or the other. To be perfectly honest, but but. Uh, and, and I will say this, I think at, without question, the best things that are certainly coming out in a way of series are on the Netflix and the Amazon and so forth. And probably it won't be long. And I, in, and I, I honestly, I probably watch more movies in that venue. I certainly have than I have gone to see movies and I don't think it'll be long before the better movies probably will be consistently being churned out you know, places like that. But that said, you know, I, I'm kind of going to go the traditionalist route. You know, if it's if it's a, a mechanism like TV or Netflix, which is kind of a TV, you know, uh, win your Emmy Award, you know, and just make the Emmys more prestigious, you know, like the Oscars. Uh, and Oscars, you know, again, traditionally, that was movies are out in the cinemas. 
I know the world's changing and maybe, maybe it will change. Maybe the market will drive it that way. But yeah, I don't know that I have a strong opposition to the idea that the Oscars are for the movies that get general release in the cinemas. But you know, that being the case, and I think people just need to readjust their evaluation say, Hey, wait a minute, just because it comes out in the cinema doesn't mean it's that damn good. I mean, uh, give, give the Emmys some credit for being Oscars, if you will, or the, the equivalency of an Oscar. But, uh, but again, I, I don't have a strong feeling, but from a traditional perspective, I can see we've reason to keep it the way it is, but to give credit where credit's due. I like all three of your arguments. Well said. Um, all right. Just before we go on, I do want to touch on a little bit of the cinematographics, cinematographics and the lighting and um, in, in this movie. And when I watched this show the first time, I, I, I just, I, in the, which led me to want to see it this second or third time, that I, I just remember how, to me, appealing this movie was to watch. And, and then I started noticing little things. But in the beginning of the movie, and this to me set the tone for the rest of the movie, um, or at least, in my opinion, the lighting of the movie, rest of the movie, um, or my awareness to it. In the beginning, that you have um, several of these um, men in this unit inside of a building and at night talking to each other, you know, over drinks and smoking, and, and it was a social gathering. And it 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 occurred to me after I was intentionally looking that there was some incredible use of just what you would think is just natural lighting inside of a home there there wasn't any sort of what i i would think of as you know you know lights set um opposite side of the camera which were uh lighting up the subject and 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 the and the background or whatever um this just looked like the the smart use of natural lighting to to set the tone for this scene here and it was incredible to me how you you the the source of the lights just seemed to be the natural lighting in the room and it worked incredibly well but then i went on to watch the rest of the movie and was just really taken by just the intentionality of just how the shots and the angles and the the time of day that they chose to shoot a lot of these which seemed to be towards dusk or morning where you had some of the better lighting and i and i thought that really added to the the show at least on it how to view it and the colorization that came out because in a desert setting it's, it's just a lot of brown but they were able to bring out a lot of vivid colors and really make it so it wasn't sort of watching kind of a desert type of movie um, with a bunch of just brown and scrub and whatnot um, and I really I really was impressed by that production value from a Netflix movie because that's where my mind kept going was this is basically a made-for-TV movie or TV show movie and I know that apparently Netflix Netflix brings in just a gazillion dollars a year and can do all of this I'm still amazed at how much they can produce but not just produce but produce at an incredibly high quality um, and I was again just blown away. And I, th- I think a lot of stuff that Netflix does is, um, it, it at least production-wise, is always top-notch. Um, I do question some of the, some of the writing, but I, w- I won't go into the Marvel series right now. Um, oh boy. 
<laughs> Which, uh, you know, Jeff, not to not to jump uh, on you over there, but one thing that I'm kind of wondering too is, and and not taking away from the actors editor in this, but you know, in a lot of these Netflix and the Amazon movies, you know, you're not getting the um, the 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 even the the A list or a lot of the celebrity set type actors. So I'm thinking that you know. You're not. I, I still think in a lot of these cases that a big part of these budgets is just how much they have to pay, you know, like you know a Robert Downey Jr. or a Jennifer Lawrence and all the or a Clooney. I mean, I mean these guys are commanding just ridiculous amounts of money that, um, you know, I don't think like a Netflix or an Amazon are going to pay. Um, so I think they're relying more on, you know, like you, well, like you said, some of the writing is not that bad, but I think they're relying on other things like better stories. <laughs> um, and, you know, and there's, a, and I think that's the thing. There's a lot of really good actors out there. And, um, and I noticed that a lot of them, and I've said it before, I know I'm sound like a broken record, but um, you know, we've got Americans got movie stars, the Brits had act. And, and I think it really, and it really shows in a lot of these productions. You know, it's funny you say that. I my my son he has a a favorite show of his on Netflix, and he was he was watching it and and he just he just you know loved the characters and and loved the story, and then he was watching you know some interview with you know some of the young young actors you know late teens early twenties yeah. and they were they were all British, and he yeah. you know this is this is the mind of a twelve year old but. He just, he felt so cheated and duped. He said, Dad, they're not even American. He's like, I thought they were. And I'm like, son, I'm like, you know, I said, you know, some of the best actors right now, you know, do come from across the pond. And, you know. Always have. Always have. And, you know, and we just have a small pool to choose from of people that can truly act. And I said, think about this. I said, they they had you convinced that they were a 17, 18 year old American, you know, high school football player. And, and, and you were totally bought and sold that he was an American, but let's just appreciate how well that young man acted. And he's thought, you know what? That was, yeah, he, 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 he did. He recognized that that was, that was a, you know, at least his dad for once in his life had a good point to make. And that, you know, he recognized that that was, you know, that, that, that there was something to appreciate there. And, 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 and Brian, to your point, I mean, we've, we talked about this going back to Black Hawk Down, that most of the people in that movie, you know, played Americans, but, you know, they were Australian or they were from, from Britain. Well, I, I didn't know Jason O'Mara, uh, who's in this movie. He's been in so many American series. I had no idea he was Irish until I think probably I saw this. But, but circle back real quick to a point Steve was trying to make about uh, you know the things that Netflix and Amazon are doing. I, I think I think one the scripts are good. You know, you got that. But I'll, but I'll give you an example where and Jeff, you know what I'm. Well, you you will know once I say it. Titus Williver is not a guy that's you know. Hollywood saying, I need Titus Williver, you know, <laughs> they may now, well, they may now, but the point is he got the series Bosch and it's well-written and plus there are, there are a lot of good actors out there th that are great actors, but a lot of them are the guys that are character actors and things like that. You don't see, I mean, you go to a, you go to a stage play and you can see how great some of these people are who are not headliners in the movies and so forth. But again, 
they, they weren't paying Williver a billion dollars to do the series Bosch. They paid him probably, you know, something was pretty good from his perspective, but I think that's one of the best series on TV. Uh, and again, there's quality actors out there. Amazon and Netflix give a chance for some of these guys to kind of get discovered or not, not discovered, but to really show what they're, what they can do, you know, and, and, and a hell of a lot cheaper than it would be to pull in somebody, you know, like a huge name to do these series. So, you know, but, but it's an avenue. It's a, it's a real avenue for, for some guys to shine and do some great work. And, and that people like and enjoy. I agree. Well said. All right. So let's jump over to brother. What you drinking? Oh, what you drinking? What you drinking? Steve, why don't you kick this off tonight? You have uh, not shared anything in quite some time. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to be a huge disappointment. Here we to, go. Uh, you have failed me for the last time. Here we go. <laughs> to our fans out there, because uh, well, first of all, it's a school night. <laughs> and um, well, for some for some of us, for I some know, of you, yes, yeah, for some of us who uh, don't have to go to school but still have school stuff. Anyway, I'm kind of on a sabbatical right now. I've uh, I'm, I'm on a very strict workout regimen and diet program, and I have uh, forsworn all alcoholic beverages for uh, a 30 day period. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some man you just can't reach. And um, just trying to drop that last nasty 10 pounds that I've been, I've been fighting on for the last couple of months. And uh, just trying to kickstart and shake up the body and see what happens there. So I'm, I am just actually just kicking back here with some um, uh, seltzer water, pink grapefruit. Uh, it's caffeine-free, and it's just from Kroger. Knocking back for about the last... Uh, what hour we've been doing this so fortunately it's not fun it's not sexy it's um although it does taste kind of sexy i'll, I'll give you that everybody stay calm what's, what's the procedure, procedure everyone? everyone what's the procedure stay calm wait, 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 wait. everybody calm down just so you know i i did indulge quite a bit over the fourth of july holidays and had uh, a, a plethora of uh different craft beers um uh, some from uh, uh, uh virginia so or not Virginia, from Nebraska. So it was, it was, I, I filled in quite a bit of uh, uh, beer drinking over the week. So, fret not, I, I haven't gone like full teetotal or anything like that. <laughs> I've got a reputation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You please, please don't let uh, anybody down with your reputation. Yeah. Um, yeah I, people I, that listen to us from the early days are like, good Lord, the guy can't even finish the show. I know. <laughs> Look at <laughs> Maybe it was the show that made you drink. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Steve. Um, yep. And and I, uh, yeah, I would never ask you to uh, sell your soul to the devil for this show. I mean, by all means. I mean, you were a specimen at your, uh, you know, age of fifty nine. All right. Um, thanks. <laughs> sorry. Uh, all right, Ken. Uh, what uh, what are you drinking tonight? Well, when I, at the very last minute before the show, I, it hit me go like, I've got some Irish whiskey down on the oh, shelf. Just a little bit. Good man. But I was mistaken. Ah, oh, bad. Somebody man. drank it. I'm drinking Four Roses and Diet Coke. All oh, right. Nice. All right. Well, that'll. Yeah, I went to Costco today. Uh, basically, I just went to Costco to get some yogurt. That's really what ducked in for, but. Went through the liquor section, and I bought, let's see, uh, bought a 
gigantic bottle of four roses and uh, three bottles of wine and some yogurt and some fish oil tablets for my triglycerides. <laughs> There's that. All right. Ken, I'm, ta I'm taking them too, Ken, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, do what you got to do. I mean, I'm yeah. taking so many fish oil tablets, I got gills. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. Well, thanks, Ken. I hope um, I hope the women in your life enjoy the uh, three-day-old fish smell coming from your mouth. Wow. All right. Well, all right, Brian. Um, it's nothing I to carp about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Kudos. Um, <laughs> just, just, just terrible. Um, all right, Brian. I, I'm afraid to ask. You know, I got nothing. I, got, I mean, yeah, I know. Like I said, I've forsworn all the vices for since May the sixth, so uh, I've not I, changed. You know, and I, you know, again, congratulations on uh, on your. Uh, your, your dietary change in the uh, aforementioned results of that. Well, well done, by the way. Well, I don't think it had anything to do with my. I think whatever <laughs> weight loss results had nothing to do. In fact, I suspect I probably eat more now that I don't drink. So, and chew tobacco. Well, I mean, you know, you got to keep the calorie intake coming in, right? If you're not drinking it, we'll you don't eat it. We'll see. We'll see uh, how it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, calories is uh, the thing I, I recognized I was doing too much of, so I've been trying to watch, you know, exactly how much goes in my disgusting fat body. All right, all right, gentlemen. Well, um, I, I'm going to uh, try to be the the, the last uh, Irish holdout here. Um, actually, it's not Irish, but anyway. Um, uh, did did bells move? I mean, is it in Comstock, Michigan now? I don't understand this. Um, uh, anyways, um, I, I got a Bell's. Uh, I found a, a cherry stout in the back of the fridge that um, I, I got uh, back in October and November. And, um, you know, it comes in at a paltry uh, ABV of 7%. Uh, but this, you know, this cherry stout, which doesn't have many hops to it, um, is, you know, is outstanding. And, you know, at 7%, you know, this thing will last about 12 months in the, uh, in the fridge. Uh, but you know, we're only about seven or eight months into it. So it's, um, it is, it, you know, when it's one of those beers, that, you know, when you see it, you know, all of life's troubles just seem to just kind of float away. And, uh, so I grabbed one of these, um, I've already had my intake of carbs, uh, for the day, uh, that I should have probably taken in for the week, but, um, I thought, well, what the hell, one more, one more set of carbs won't kill me, um, at least not today, so, uh, but, um, a great outstanding beer, uh, by a great outstanding company from, from Michigan, Bell's Cherry Stout, so, all right, gentlemen, well, with that, Let's um, let's go on. <laughs> um, I, I I I debated on doing a checklist for this podcast, and um, and there just um, there just wasn't enough. There definitely wasn't a B five connection, and you know I, I thought about the whole Tawny Katane thing, and you know I, irrelevant female roles, which you know whatever. There were a few roles in here, but it wasn't enough to probably do a full thing on. But I did want to ask you guys: Did you recognize the one checklist oh. item 
Yes. In the yeah. I go ahead. I think no, I know what no. you guys are talking about. No, uh, Brian. What checklist item did you notice about the movie? I thought I heard a Wilhelm scream, like at thirty. I I had it written down on a piece of paper. I lost it, but it was like with like I I can't remember the time, but I there was a sniper shot. Somebody got hit by a sniper as they were rushing across the field, and I thought I heard a Wilhelm scream. That is exactly I played it twice. Exactly what you heard. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yep. I heard. I wrote it the time down. I, I I wrote it down. I backed it up. Wrote it down. I lost it. Yeah, yeah. That's because it was right there. Yeah. There 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 was no glass breaking. Um, at least none that I could tell. Um, and and if there was glass breaking, it was probably justifiable because they're in the middle of a war. But that said, um, yeah, there was a Wilhelm scream, and and I was completely blindsided by it. Uh, but it was unmistakable and yeah i don't want to say it took me out of the movie but it was like interesting the hell out of me interesting touch i mean this movie was pretty serious i mean the writing there is some very interesting um uh, banter back and forth but especially between um the irish led um bunker complex or at least fortification and with the you know the generals that are you know back and you know the safety of their um you know base um, there's some, you know, especially when they're asking, you know, for reinforcements and of course, whiskey, um, you know, send, yeah. send that along with you. But, um, yeah, I was, I mean, you know, there were, there was some friendly banter. There was some good lines in this movie. Um, but the inclusion of the Wilhelm scream took me, took me by surprise. <laughs> I didn't think we were star Wars level of, um, <clears throat> of writing here, but it was right there. So I thought it I was, was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you guys caught that. Ken, you caught that? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Well, with that, unless you guys have anything else that you wanted to throw out there, Ken, are you prepared for the top 10 movies of 2016? Yes. And as a matter of fact, we just did a 2016 movie not that long ago, so I'll hit the list pretty quick. And number 10 was Suicide Squad. Steve saw that. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Huh. Damn. Are I'm you shocked. sure that you didn't see that? That's your final answer. Um, I, I have not seen it. I don't really have a desire. I have neither. I heard nothing good either. about it. And number nine, a movie I did see and I liked, and I just watched it the other day, and that's Deadpool. Oh, love that movie. <laughs> It's good flick. It's a really good flick. We just bought Corbin a new toy, and it's uh, it's a little uh, Deadpool chewy guy. <laughs> it's awesome. No matter how he chews, he heals right back up? Yep, pretty much. Okay. And number eight, uh, a Harry Potter-based movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Thought. Didn't see it. And number seven, it was okay. I'm not going to say it's great, but I was entertained by it. And that would be Batman versus Superman, Dawn Justice. I've never seen that. It's not great, but it's worth a catch if you like that kind of thing. My oldest just watched it the other night and then turned it off halfway through. Really? Uh, Dang. Uh, I thought it was okay. Again, I'm giving it faint praise. Uh, at number six, The Secret Life of Pets. Nope. At number five, The Jungle Book. Good. Liked it. At number four, Zootopia. Didn't Never see thought. it. At number three, Finding Dory, sequel to Finding Nemo. Nope. 
You ever saw it? <laughs> We're not the target audience for many movies these days, in case you uh, didn't true. know. I, I yeah. did see it because my kids are the target audience of it, and um, and, and I still find uh, Dory to be one of the uh, one, one of the best, most recent uh, um, animated characters out there in a Disney movie. So, really, um, I I do. I found her the writing for her. Um, and her character to be to be well done, and you know she plays second fiddle, of course, to Nemo. But her scenes and were were the best. I'm just going to say it that. Okay. And number two, a movie that I did see, which I did like, basically, and that would be Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Great movie. Third third best in the series. Yeah, I think we're all agreed on that. I agree with you too. And finally, since we have been living in the age of Marvel for many years, the number one movie in 2016 was Captain America Civil War. Uh, that's a good movie. Well, the last time before. we talked yeah. about this, I said it was my favorite, and I was misspoken um, about myself. Um, Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier. To me, was um, yeah, was, I was the best, and I I just got the two confused. Probably the number of beers I had that night. But after listening to the podcast again, I was like, "That's not what I really thought." It was mm. it was yeah. But I still like the first one a lot, a whole lot. Yeah, no, but it, the, but the original Captain America. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I liked that a lot too. Yeah, it's pretty good, but I I, I just liked uh, Winter Soldier more. But uh, had a '60s spy movie feel to it. Yeah. You know, Robert Redford being in it was very appropriate. Yeah, very, very. All right. Well, Ken, thank you. Yes, I just realized we we had we had done that um, fairly recently. So um, okay. Well, I'm glad you uh, well done on just running through it again for those that haven't uh, caught up with us. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Um, at this point, let's go on to our, uh, our little segment here about, uh, you know, listener comments in the last uh, couple of weeks. We, we have been ourselves a little quiet on the uh, Facebook and such, because, um, I think, uh, we, we, we've all had a lot going on. We had the holiday break there and, um, and I know everybody, it sounded like you guys were, were, I don't know, hosting people and traveling about, you know, I just, uh, you know, sit here with, uh, you know, my kids and cousins, kids and (laughs) whoever the hell else comes over here. Uh, But anyway, um, we haven't had too much going on um, recently. We do, we we have had a few people um, nail the... um, the movie tonight. I, I struggled to come up with a hint, actually, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to give too much away, but um, apparently, it was an, enough to uh, for a couple people who got it." Uh, Rick Allen and uh, Cameron Freed uh, figured it was uh, the uh, siege of J. Dotville. Um, you know, the first time I saw this, I was like, "You know what, Steve? This this is a movie for Steve." Um, I, was, I just wanted to hear him try to say. Um, uh, the J. Dotville, but um, I'm I'm glad I got my uh, intro in with him tonight. J. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. Why yeah. put a fuzzball? Yeah. That's <laughs> All right. Uh, let me see here. Okay. Well, and with uh, so um, th- we don't have too much, but um, 
that was about it. I did want to tell one of our uh, listeners that I did uh, stop by Burns Pizza uh, last week to, and uh, did ask uh, to, to see his uh, son, who, of course, on a Friday night had... Uh, of course, it was the night of the uh, big Dave Matthews Band concert here in town. Uh, he 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 had the night off, so uh, the the sun was not there for me to meet and greet. So, anyway, wanted to throw that out there. And let's see here. I think, gentlemen, we've arrived at that moment in time where we are going to close it out. Um, final thoughts, gentlemen. You know, Brian, you threw this out here, and I would like to get what your thoughts are on this movie. And we, we had said, you know, we, we had talked about it about a year ago. We were all in agreement, and something came up. You wanted to watch this video, this movie and uh, review it. So uh, I'll, I'll let you close it out uh, with your final thoughts. Okay. I, uh, I mean, part of the reason I picked this movie is I, I like, as you all know, uh, the classic old Westerns, but the classic old war movies that, you know, that I grew up on, you know, I mean, I grew up as a kid and, Basically, if there was a movie on, it was either a Western or it was a World War II movie. And uh, you don't see many, you don't really, I, I, in my opinion, you don't see many decent war movies anymore. Uh, you don't see many war movies. Uh, and so I was drawn to that for that, that reason. And as uh, in addition to that, as you might recall, I mean, I have, I've always had kind of an interest in, in some of the, what they call the Bush Wars in Africa that took place. And this was one of those rare movies uh, that that addressed that, uh, obviously addressed it in a very serious way. Uh, well, they, as they all do. But uh, so with that, you know, I I, yeah, I want to see what it's like. And I thought it was a great movie. I uh, I mean, it, I mean, it was very well done, well executed. Cinematography was solid, and uh, obviously the action part of it was 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 great. Uh, I, again, it's just one of those movies that surprised me. Uh, I was a little skeptical because uh, Jamie Dorn come just coming off uh, the blue or whatever the hell the name of that movie was. Uh, or Shades of Grey, uh, you know, made me worry a little bit. But uh, it's a good little movie. It was a good movie. I liked every part of it. There really wasn't a significant weakness that I saw in the movie. Uh, so I guess with all that, I, I'm going to push a little bit. Uh, I'll give it an eight. I'll give it an eight. All right. Steve, what are your final thoughts? Well, I, I don't want to have to repeat everything that I said before, because I think I probably did a lot of that in um, you know the beginning. But like I said, it's um, it's great production. It's a great story, especially if it's, you know, for me, it was an education. So uh, it got me to do some additional research, which I think is is always good. Um, you know, about movies that are, you know, based on historical events, it, it gets people, you know, even like me, I'm a history buff as it is, you know, but I'm interested in, uh, in looking at, you know, looking more into it. So that movie did, um, you know, pique my interest and, and happily was able to say that, you know, it was, it was pretty true to pretty true to the mark. So I was, I was pretty pleased with that. And, um, you know, again, uh, not to sound like a broken record, thought production value is great, thought everything about it was was solid. And I think I'm going to go along with Brian's uh, uh, eight rating and, and um, second that motion. All right. Thanks, Steve. Yep. Ken, what say you? I think we've all said what we need to say, and you've heard me talk. Uh, 
the one weakness in this movie is it does have a big cast and there's a lot of guys in the cast that are just sort of there and you don't really get the they don't have time or the ability or need to build them up or establish who they are and that's the only negative about this uh otherwise there's a whole lot of positive here uh, uh it's gotten you know i think it's gotten a good bit of talking about on netflix and just in but it's it's certainly not this movie is not broken through to any kind of mass market. I I, I don't hear about anybody really talking about it. Uh, in terms of my rating, when I saw it last year on Netflix, I gave it a star rating of four stars out of five, which translates to eight out of ten. So I'll stick with what I said back there and uh, match my compatriots. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. Uh, I won't belabor this much more either. The travesty with some of these movies is, um, especially here in America, is if if it's not if it's a history piece that people that aren't connected to, at least you know here in the states, you know they they tend not to be interested in it. Um, it's why I think a lot of well, in general, that's why a lot of war movies don't do well, but also a lot of history pieces don't do well. Also, history pieces that or war pieces that are in foreign lands don't do extraordinarily well here either. So, you know, but I think that, and I like what Steve said, that, you know, anytime a movie gets you interested in, you know, doing further research or reading more about it, I think that that is, um, you know, I think that's a that's a testament to, you know, how good or at least thought-provoking, you know, that movie was um, or book or whatever. Um, and and I'm glad that, you know, I, you know, you guys, I think you guys brought this to my attention. I wouldn't have watched it had you guys probably not said anything. And, and I, um, overly well-done movie, I think. Um, and I think 8 is probably a, a pretty fair rating for this movie. Um, I might say, you know, just based on the visuals and the amount of enjoyment that I got from just watching the movie, I, you know, might give it a higher rating, but I'm not going to I'm not going to quibble over numbers. So, I think, you know, um, it's a, you know, for all of us to give it an 8 or such, um, I think, you know, you know, especially for for Ken, I think that's a, an outstanding rating by him. Um Agreed. Yeah, because <laughs> Ken doesn't throw those numbers out there too much, but it is. It's very I, well I, done. I've always given you a four point seven five. You're you're talking to Brian, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, Brian, when I first saw this movie, I immediately thought of you, not because you, I think, we'd recommended the movie, but because I knew your affinity for this time period, especially when it came to, um, uh, you know, a certain uh, rule system. Was it a a you know? AK forty seven. AK forty seven Republic, buddy. <laughs> I, I, which which I think is, um, you know, which I think is, you know, would just be a, a hoot of of a game to get involved in. But you know, we were talking about that airplane that was flying earlier. I mean, you know, in this part of the world, I mean, you know, we, you know, we talk about you know the augmentation of what resources people have to make, you know machines of war um you know whether it's a technical you know with a you know 50 cal strung on the back of a you know toyota pickup truck or you know you've got some sort of commandeer private plane that you know somehow gets you know um 
you know, whatever, 50, 30 cows put on it and, you know, it was going down and strafing, you know, unsuspecting Irishmen. Uh, but, you know, it, it, this is uh, a movie that I think is most of our listeners will get some enjoyment out of. And, and I think it might cause them to look a little deeper into, you know, this time period, if anything else. So. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for your um, in-depth review of this movie. All right. It is now time uh, to uh, to say farewell and adieu. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in. Um, I do want to um, um, uh, thank our listeners for continuing to be very active and respondent on the uh, interweb. Um, continue to send us feedback. Uh, we did get one constructive criticism a couple of weeks ago regarding my... Um, my failure to uh, do an outstanding uh, edit of the podcast, and I do want to apologize for that. Um, I tried to, uh, you know, uh, I will I will endeavor to do a better job. So I don't want did to involve something I did with a spittoon or something. If you notice, Steve or Brian, I took this myself. I didn't throw anybody else under the bus. I just said it was my fault, which is what I've learned to do. I I, I just got a text from you like it. Midnight or one o'clock in the morning, bitching about this, and I thought, "What the hell is that all about?" All right, gentlemen, thank you all for um, uh, showing up tonight uh, on a school night to uh, do this uh, podcast. I appreciate it. I know our schedules have been very, uh, very much in flux lately. Steve, thank you, sir, for coming uh, to this podcast, and um, uh, you know, don't don't be a stranger. You know, we we speak of you frequently and often on here, and uh, and we are. We <laughs> we uh, we make sure to uh, honor your memory at all times of uh, you know our past uh, our past leader. So uh, it is great Thanks. having you back on, sir. Thank you. And and, th- and thank you for um, also putting out your little uh, video clip of your thoughts um, a couple of weeks ago on um, on uh, Dune. 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 Yes, because you you oh, yeah. you made every effort to try to be here for that podcast. You were very much wanting to be here, and um, I know something that came up at the last second, and you couldn't do it. But um, you you know you did say you were wanting to share your thoughts on it, and I'm very much appreciative of the fact that you posted that. So thank you. Yeah. I might have a few more ideas to, to post out there for some stuff, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because I, I really enjoyed listening to that podcast and, and just, uh, it, it was really good. So outstanding job on that guys. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, um, you know, you were just a quick uh, text phone call away that we can get you on here. At least, uh, you know, you know, you can make it on some of these, uh, evenings. So, all right. Well, with that, um, so anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for, um, uh, you know, listening to us, coming back and uh, checking out the podcast. Um, if you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, um, you can uh, get us on Facebook. Um, you can also um, send all hate mail to, uh, to continue to send that to Steve. I know his uh, <laughs> email account is um, is full um, and backed up, but um, um, it's kind of like a queue. It's like a pecking order. We'll get to him eventually. So, um, all right. But with that, um, signing off and saying farewell, I'll do and I'll be I'll do, I'll do, I'll do, and Avita Zane is my good and dear friend, Ken. Not many Frenchmen like German tacticians. It only took them two weeks to take over your entire country. Roni. This movie reminded me of a, a trope or a trend, and that is 
in action adventure movie, it's never good to be the guy showing up in the white suit. (laughs) (laughs) And having said that, Saturday night, I have to attend a white party where everyone will appear in a white suit. So if you hear a mighty blast from the south side, you'll know... (laughs) We all came to our tropish end. <laughs> wow. Shots ringing out all night, huh? Um, yeah. All right. Yes. Well, thank you, Ken. All right. Also saying uh, farewell and uh, I'll do and I'll be to Zane is my good and dear friend, Brian. We've used every bullet twice. Miller. Well, it was feckin' good that we kept our feckin' language, you know, pretty docile tonight. And it was feckin' good to see Steve. So, <laughs> feck you all very much. Um, yeah, yeah. We we really toned it down as the show progressed. But in the beginning there, I thought, okay, i got to put an explicit tag on this already. All right. Uh, and, um, all right. And also, coming back for one, uh, I don't want to say final show, but one show. <laughs> one show Jesus. only. I thought he was just starting. I thought I he was starting over again. Well, who knows? You know what? It's, it's you know he's he's sort of a, a kind of a freelance photographer. He kind of does what he wants. You know, if he wants to work this month, he does. If he doesn't, he can take the time off. So, anyway, um, thank you, Steve. Uh, I'm sorry. Also joining us, my good and dear friend, Steve. Is that J. Dotville Booker, Michaels? <laughs> All right, well, I'm leaving this J.Bill place that I'm taking me Lucky Charms with me. (laughs) Outstanding. Thank you. All right, and with that, I will say good night to all of our listeners. Thank you very much. We uh, We will talk to you again soon. Ciao. I'll be back. Greg, we are leaving! Are you not entertained? Damn your eyes! Too late. Please go away, let me sleep for the love of God! Someday this war's gonna end. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. There's the us, and what we were. And what will be. And what will be. the abv on that uh, there, there is you know it's funny you said that too because we were just real quick we were actually having a conversation over the weekend uh with um uh, some friends of ours and then they had relatives over one of them he's not a beer drinker at all he he likes wine so he had been drinking wine but we were talking about why why we why here in america like we overhop the crap out of beer you know that it's yeah. it just and he's just like 
it's insane. And Deb, uh, I think it was, I, I'd have to find a picture. In fact, I'll find the picture and I'll post it up on the Facebook page so you could see. But she was at, um, she was at World Market about um, a couple, three, four days ago with, uh, uh, with the uh, small child who's not so small anymore. And she took a picture of this six pack and it was, and it just basically said hop water. That's all it was. It was water with a lot of hops in it. And her, her comment was why? <laughs> so it's, um, it, it's kind of nuts. There's just, I don't know what the fascination is with the, uh, you know, with, with the hops and, and beers and that, but it's, it, it's really, it's, it's getting kind of old if you ask me. I mean, I like my beers. I like I like uh, I like a hoppy beer here and there, but it's just getting to the point where um, do you have anything that's not like ninety IBUs? I'm sorry. Oh. So that, what's that last part? I said, do you have anything that doesn't uh, that's not hopped up with ninety IBUs? Uh, International bitterness unit, the uh, you know that. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, and you're right. It seems like more and more places are chasing the highest number they possibly can for the express purpose of chasing the highest number they possibly can. Um, it doesn't seem like, you know, you know, flavor is 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 the driving force now. It's it's the hops that are in there, and you know, I understand the hops gives flavor, but you know, I mean, to the point that you know your your tonsils you know are you know are sucked in so much because it there's so many hops in there um right but i you know but you know you're talking to you're talking to the guy that you know that never got on the ipa train ever um because it's just um and and or you know I you know I I will never forget the first time I had like an Indian pale ale and that I mean uh, not an Indian pale um a um yeah an Indian pale an IPA of just I mean it I, I it it scarred me for life I was like this this is horrific um you know now I've I've been able to kind of weather the storm occasionally but you know it it doesn't provide me a lot of enjoyment uh, but that's that's the it thing right now. Right. And has you're right. And it has been for what, like ten years? Seems like it. Yeah. All right. 